0: Hello and howdy, my name is Alyssa Neichel. Welcome to another Adventures in Angular. Today with us on the panel, we have Chris Ford. Hey, Chris. Hello. (laughs) And our two, yeah, that's right, you heard it, two guests today are Thomas Pink. Hey, guys. Hey, Thomas. And Fabian Friedel. Hey, everyone. So what are we talking about today, everyone?
1: Yeah, kind of an interesting topic. So um, basically how to build a design system. Mm,
0: uh, yeah, we were talking pre-show and, you know, using Angular, that's one thing, but just any design system, that'd yeah. be tough to tackle. So,
2: <laughs> Yeah, that's for
0: so sure. Be- before we dive in, can Thomas and Fabian, can you tell us a little bit about yourselves and like, what you do?
1: Sure, sure. I guess we both are working on Dino- at Dynatrace, uh, uh currently in Austria, so a little country in Europe <laughs> with great mountains and a good place to ski. Yeah, I work there as a senior software engineer and in my spare time I play tennis and ride bikes.
0: Nice. And what do you do there, Fabian?
2: Yeah, so I'm currently the design ops team lead at Dynatrace and we as a team manage our designs system barista. And everything that's connected to it. So like component library that we're building with Anchor. And it's quite a challenge for a small team to have such a central role. But it's it's fun and it's exciting every day, I guess.
0: That's awesome. So the name of the design system is Barista. Yes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> okay and so I, and I think... you can
2: find it on on, oh, on the GitHub. GitHubs. Yes. yes.
0: I see that. So the link will be in the show notes, uh, github.com slash Dynatrace-OSS slash barista. Oh, I see yes. the homepage, barista.dynatrace.com. Cool. So before we even dive into creating your own, why don't we tackle the question of what is a design system?
2: It's really—it's actually a pretty hard question to answer, I guess, because everybody just understands something completely different. And its it can be something like if you have only a small design team, and you want to have some reusable, shareable design assets in Figma or in Vision Studio or whatever design tool you're using. That can be your design system to start off. If you start from a clean slate, that can be your design system at the beginning, right? But that's where we started actually. So, but if you, if you continue this journey and you evolve the design system over time, you add stuff like accessibility guidelines to it. You, and then developers want to use everything that you provide from and need to implement the design somewhere, right? So the next step would be to create your own component library based on the designs. And everything that we just talked about is basically a design system at Interface. And you can add even more stuff on top, like having prototyping tools available for project management, even so even for non-technical people or... Or you can extend it for for branding guidelines on how to use your brand inside and outside the company, in your products and stuff like this. So it's really a whole set of things that can be something different for everyone. But that's what we think design system at Daimler should look like right now.
3: So just at, out of interest, what makes what, what makes somebody, a company I guess, or an individual or a group of individuals, what makes you think you know what let's just let's not use something that already exists let's let's create our own cuz i mean i can see that you it's open source you know it's 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 available i'm taking a look at the docs now it's available for everyone so what made you like throw in a new offering into the into the ring rather than picking up something that pre-existing
2: yeah so i, I think it's really a choice that you have to make at some point do you want to reuse a branding that's given by a bigger company like Google Material, it's yeah. really a Google product. It's Google branding. And if you want to stand out and create your own branding as a company and be identified as, I mean, if you think about Facebook, you can remove the, the logo on the web page. You can remove the entire text, have no content, but the skeleton. And only the color and the font will let people recognize it as Facebook, right? That's the for brand sure. Facebook. Yeah. So I guess that's the main motivation behind it. Be recognizable as a brand. Stand out and have your own branding out there uh, that people can actually use.
0: I think it's so valuable too for just consistency and a resource for your team to like refer back to so that... If you do have new hires, it's easier to onboard. Or if you do have yep. a question with how do we handle this accessibility issue, this is how we handle it. Like I, I love this and I love how detailed going through it right now. And it's very detailed. And I, you even have like dev support, like links to like I see one here that's like a link to Fabi, yeah, and like,
3: I like I guess that for this well. particular <laughs>
0: issue or something like that's that's really neat.
3: Is that specifically okay. like, well, you know, if you want to, if you want to, if you're having trouble with this particular component, these are the people responsible for your issues, yeah. <laughs> go and shut them down. Uh, no, I mean, it's, it's, a it's cool. A curse. Yeah, i the Yeah, I bet, yeah. I bet. It's cool because I'm, um, so like the place where I'm working at the moment, we also are building our own design system in-house, but it's specifically... It's not being open source, you know. It is specifically for the product that we're building, mm-hmm. and so I, I kind of get it from that standpoint. So I just think it's cool that you, you sort of have this. eye, we're going to make our own because we don't want to stick to the brand, but we're also we're going to share it with everyone else. I think that's cool.
0: So open sourcing it, do you do you see a lot of other companies using it or basing things off of it?
1: I mean, uh, Thomas, you want
0: if you yeah. want to take it. Take it.
1: Yeah, we, we we started with open source not that long ago, so we are still we are still in uh, trying and and trying to find our community and trying to get reach, but the design system exists for much longer basically than than just the the open source part, I guess.
0: But well, it's, I congratulations on taking that leap because that can be a big one, like opening yeah, the you know the blinds and letting the world in. That can be.
3: <laughs> yeah was I mean, there was there something it. that made you go like it's time to time to outsource open yeah. sources?
2: So we had we had our talk at NGDE in in Berlin in August where we basically had our first conference talk last year, and we we showed a couple of things that we did, and everybody was really interested in what we were doing. And back then we had to tell everyone, yeah, we have documentation out there publicly, but you can't really install it yourself. So, and uh, finding Angular developers in Europe is actually not that easy. So you you want to have as much out there to people to show people that hey, we take this stuff really seriously, and we want to provide high quality components. And doing open source can be a motivation as well for people people like doing open source it's 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 cool to give back to the community so that's also from a perspective to attract talent basically a motivation to go open source as well for sure and giving yeah. back having having an outlet in the community being able to talk about the code that you show on a slide
0: yeah i love um, that that people were asking about it and that's what led to deciding to yeah. open source all of it that's really neat yeah, and yeah, we I...
1: actually had, I guess, uh, people that showed us their apps built with Arista when they applied for a position. So this was was kind of great to see.
3: Yeah, I like the way that you're using it as a as bait. As a, <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> Handy. <laughs> try and lure in the, the Angular developers.
0: Developer bait! Oh my goodness, I love it, Chris. I've never thought of something <laughs> like it's... that, but I'm going to use that. <laughs>
3: <laughs> it, it's pretty cool to
2: be working on, on open source 20, every day of the week, basically. It's like we we inside the team enjoy it quite a lot, but it changed the way we work completely, basically. You need to work differently. Well, be, you be need to work source. differently
0: because there's more... Like, yeah. vi- Everything like is visibility. async,
2: right? Everything is async, okay. N- not only visibility-wise, but I, th- I guess... You need to document a lot more. You basically document everything for people that you don't know or even reading or want to contribute, right? So you want to open yourselves up. You want to be as transparent as possible about the processes. Everything that you do there should be available for everybody because everybody can see it, right? So we want to encourage everybody to to contribute to open pull requests, open issues. And,
1: and actually, I guess a huge thing for us was bringing... The discussions to the public, like discussing components, discussing bugs on GitHub, so Was anybody can see. Was that
0: scary? <laughs> Did that go? No,
1: <laughs> but it worked out fine. Yeah. <laughs> I guess are you, nice. are,
3: you are opening yourself up to exposure, though, aren't you? When you when you do that, like yep. when you when you're working on something in house for your client, you, you know you've got you've got like a few people reporting bugs to you. But as soon as you go, hey, everyone. Take it, you know, feel free to help yourself. Everyone just piles in. <laughs> right. What's wrong like, with it? are <laughs> like, I didn't mean it.
0: I take it back. Nobody, <laughs> <Yeah>. nobody. <laughs> yeah.
3: It's closed source now, sorry. Go. So, it was actually
1: not just a step for the public for, or as you say, for the outside of, of Dynatrace. It's also a, a huge motivation for people inside Dynatrace to suddenly check out what's happening there and then give a lot more feedback than if it's just a, a small a small package, a small a small tool inside Diatris.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, you can get
2: exposure if you want it. There's a single employee in the company as well. So you usually work your your day job is working on some front end tooling that reaches the customer or maybe even maybe not, but you might need a component that others can use as well. And if you can do that by contributing to an open source project, it's pretty cool.
0: So do you have rules? Uh, You're saying, you know, it's a way for even internally someone can contribute. Do you have rules or guidelines as far as when you contribute a new feature, make sure you're writing about it in the documentation, like that has to be a part of the PR or guidelines such as that? Yeah, we
1: we, we actually have a lot of guidelines out there. New developers can take a look on and... I guess every feature starts with a kind of feature proposal as a GitHub issue. So you write down what you need and maybe also you have thought of, of kind of a solution already. And then everybody jumps on board and goes on on that. And we have a lot of guidelines in place that will help you get started and go for, that, for it.
0: So before we talk about more about contributing and... Uh, getting into Barista, is there anything that you both wanted to mention as far as what's actually mixed up in Barista? What is it consisted of? And uh, other than is it, because I'm seeing a lot of components like we were talking about, also colors, icons, things like that. Is there anything specific you'd like to highlight?
2: Yeah, so what, what we try to do as much as possible is we try to have accessibility basically baked in into the components. It's really something where we try to do our research, check out, check out guidelines by uh, W3C. We have accessibility tests in our our CI pipeline to check the components. So it's really something that we try to build into the components so that the UI developer then uses the component doesn't have to worry about that too much because it's already everything there to use. So this is definitely one thing. And the next thing, I guess, that we are really proud of right now is the stack blitz integration which is pretty cool as well so you can even click this small button on the on the corner of each example and it will spin up a stack blitz example where you can start probably helping right away really? set up. yes oh, that that's
3: very really cool I, I really like the fact that you've got the the accessibility all built in you know we were we were talking about accessibility in our last episode with Charlie Bobroff and and you know one of the things that came up was just how as developers it's just like another thing to try and remember to do you know and it I, I mean I I'm, I'm guilty of that I, it's not always at the top of my list because I'm just always thinking of a thousand different things when I'm developing right so actually for me being able to use something where this stuff is just it's like a first class citizen, you know, as part of my components. That that is I think that's fabulous.
0: This is yeah. really neat. They're, they have an accessibility checklist and it is going like it's going through even I guess it's pulling out like one point three point one info and relationships or one point four point one use of color and it's like grouping these like rules here. I'll like link it in the chat. But it's it's grouping these rules. Which is so, like Chris was saying, it can be really overwhelming sometimes to (laughs) remember and and keep in mind. (laughs) It's pretty hard
1: to get right as well. Yeah, and it's also, I guess, when you come from come from a a classic developing development standpoint, it's it's kind of hard that you now have to do a lot more to get the component out there. So, not just developing the component, developing tests, developing for accessibility and stuff like that, but it, I guess it's a good way. And we should definitely do it more.
0: (laughs) So how can developers try out Barista? What's the, what do they do to incorporate it or start with it?
2: Uh, If I remember correctly, it's ngads. at dynatrace slash barista dash components.
0: Shut the front door. Love it. Love it when
3: you just take all the work away for me. That is perfect.
2: So (laughs) you should be able to do that on a new CLI project or an existing one. And it adds all the necessary dependencies and all the stuff for you right away. So you can choose if you want to import the styles. You can choose if you want to use the icons or not, I think, if I remember correctly. And that's it. And what I hope this? you can use it.
3: <laughs> remember remember the glory days when you wanted to use Angular material and it's like, right, well, got to manually import this and then I got to read these docs and go through 8,000 steps and work out if I need to import Hammer.js and then I got to manually right. set what my dependencies styling. What dependencies do
0: you need? What version like, are you on? Oh, yeah, uh, that was always so fun. Just, just
3: single command. <laughs> there it is. It's in there. Aha. Oh, thank you so much. for the rescue. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's fabulous.
0: Oh my goodness, that's amazing! So, as people are using Barista, starting to love it. What what are the steps for contribution and getting in touch if they have issues? I know you'd mentioned it earlier about not just creating a PR right away. So,
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I guess if you contribute, we kinda differentiate between just a bug or a feature. Mm. So a bug is pretty straightforward, open an issue, and if you're uh, if you already know the solution or know how to fix it, open my PR on the side and we will check it and we'll go forward. And with the feature, I guess small features kind of work like a bug. Who request. Sorry, a uh, uh, proposal is not needed for that one, but for Can major features small like... A
0: small. It's <laughs> <feature?
1: laughs> I, I tried to avoid this question. Oh,
0: sorry. <laughs> we sorry. don't have to get into it if you don't want. I was just uh, like, no, a small no, I, like uh, a button or small as in like i'm just adding a very <laughs> small feature onto the button i, I don't
1: <laughs> i, I, I guess uh, uh, yeah <laughs> or or maybe a, a new input for a, com- a component would be okay. kind of a small feature and the major feature would kind of be a new component or or a big feature for an existing one but it kind of depends. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Sorry, did not mean to put you on the spot with the worst question ever. So no, I think
3: people who contribute to open source are so brave because I'm I'm listening to you having this discussion, thinking like I wouldn't even know where to begin if I was going to like I- implement a new component. It's like, what's it missing? I don't even know. Like, I guess you have to be using it all the time because yes. I know actually to be fair, I use a lot of Angular material, and you know I I, yeah. I come across things that are missing from there. Like like a file input, for example, you know. So, yeah, I, I, I get it if you're using it regularly, but, yeah. But <laughs> I know, I'm just going to add this new stuff.
1: It's also interesting from for for us in the team, like every time when we thought, okay, now we are kind of complete, or we, we have everything in place, new stuff pops up. And it's kind of interesting to see what how different apps are and and uh, what is needed out there
0: that's so um, funny that you know you, you're like we're there we have reached it we are <laughs> <laughs> we're a hundred percent and then you're like oh wait
3: <laughs> have, you, have <laughs> you ever had to, like, has somebody ever in like just raised the pr for just some something completely absurd that you've just gone how dare you <laughs> close
2: this yeah it, sometimes you have to convince people that it might not be the right direction to go <laughs> which can be some uh, kind of hard at some point, but we as the, the, the core maintainer team, we have to uh, we have some responsibility to provide consistent APIs across components to follow the same API princip- design principles that we have. stuff like this. So you can build the same component probably 100 different in a hundred different ways. As, as part of the design system we try to be consistent not even in the look and feel but also in the way developers use the components right so having an input name disabled on all your on all your components and be consistent makes it easier for for your consumers and for your developers to use the components so
0: is it it's time consuming to interact with people to talk about might not be the best solution for us to take PRs and merge them in is that does that overwhelm you guys or is it totally fine I mean I mean it's,
2: it's,
1: yeah yeah
0: it's
2: quite different it, it goes up and down um but overall it uh, it takes quite the, quite some time from the team to deal with those um so we have a caretaker rotation basically in place so we always pair up two, two team members for one week and they are in charge of answering questions on the Slack channel and being the first people to respond on GitHub issues, trying to do some housekeeping on pull requests and stuff like this. So everything that you need to do in an open source project, like label the pull requests, merge them, reach out to the, to contributors if they are stuck and stuff like this and help them out. So we basically have a two people rotation in place to handle
1: this yeah couldn't have said it better <laughs> i guess
3: can i just ask so how heavily is this used inside of Dynatrace? you know i mean are, are we talking is it is it used on like a a product or is it like that you've got this huge sort of suite of products and it's used on everything or what sort of how flexible how much flexibility is there in 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 how it's used
1: so uh, Dynatrace has like something, some or let's say their product, which is called Dynatrace. <laughs> right, okay. uh, and this of course use there. But aside from the the, the main product, product, we have a lot of, of tools and, and side projects and and stuff around that will also definitely use Dynatrace and are using it.
3: Yeah, I think like as you as you start to expand, and you probably get this a lot from people using it. In their own projects now that it's open source, but well, I guess, like again, the like the one that we've got in house where I am, because we're only using it on a single product at the moment, it literally you add you add features to it when you need something for this product, right? Mm. Whereas, as soon as you start using it on our second product, you might find ah this second this second thing actually needs this different mindset of the kind of things that we need to introduce, and that, that's how you end up growing this thing out. So. Have you seen much growth in it since people have started using it for their own projects?
2: Yeah, I think, I think so. So we have basically, as Thomas pointed out, we have one big product. But of course, internally, once you have a quite a collection of components readily available, people start using it for all different kinds of things. Like DevOps team is building the, in, the internal pipeline tooling. UI exactly with that. Our security team is building the internal security tools with the design system which is quite nice. And you get some different perspectives also, not only from the product perspective, but also from some internal toolings. And this is, this is, I think, significantly increased. And over the last couple of weeks, we also see some mm. significant increases in contributions, especially from people from different UI teams coming in. Like they are now heavily using it for a couple of months or even years now. And by using it longer and longer, they are also more willing to contribute and pitch in themselves. That's for sure. Can I just... Oh, yeah,
0: you you go. go I I was was just just going (laughs) to...
3: I will now not say a thing. Go
0: i'm like oh i hate that i hate that dance it's like whenever you're <laughs> in the store and you're like trying to pass someone and you're just kind of keep yeah you,
3: you should you should try it when both of you are british and you're just being so dreadfully polite and it, it can go on it can last for days it just goes yeah. on until somebody gets hungry and then you have to go and find something to eat
1: <laughs> okay I, I i just know of uh i heard something like a canadian standoff but it's <laughs> just like
0: because they're so polite
1: <laughs> yeah and two Canadians basically opening the door for each other, but no one goes in. <laughs> 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 oh
0: and, yeah. my word! What was it going to say? It's gone now, Chris. Oh, Dang sorry. it! <laughs> See,
3: that's, that, that's how you secretly win one of those standoffs. You just confuse, <laughs> you, just you baffle your opponent.
0: distract.
3: <laughs> yeah, I, I, I wanted to circle back a little bit. I was just going to look at our show notes, and I, I saw that you you did a talk, you you mentioned your talk already, but at the NGDE. Uh, and it's called Learnings from Building a Component Library. And I just wondered, is there anything that we haven't already discussed that is an important point, you know, something that you've learned from building this that might be good to share.
1: I mean, from my point of view, we had a huge part of the of the of the talk was like how to design APIs and how to structure them and what to to look out for. And yeah, this was a huge learning curve for us, and we are still learning on that. And one point that Fabian already mentioned is like keeping APIs consistent throughout all components. But what we also learned is not only keep the API consistent throughout our components, but keep API consistent. For example, like you're implementing a checkbox, but we want to have our we want to have the API of the checkbox also as close as possible to the native checkbox. So it's very easy for consumers to use. They already know how it works just mm-hmm. when looking at it. And stuff like that, I guess, really helps the consumers. But yeah, we had to learn it. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, I, I can see why that's super important as well. Cause, and I, I keep sort of bringing back to Angular Material, but that's just, it's the one that I use, have used the most, right? But mm-hmm. there's, I think it's, radio buttons it's either in material or it's in ionic but it's like when you want to use radio buttons and integrate it with a form it like it just works totally differently to if i was just using radio buttons in plain html mm-hmm. and i find that so frustrating because mm-hmm. i just like you say i just want to implement this as close to the the actual non-framework thing as i possibly can and the re- I hate to when I have to put radio buttons in because I'm always on Stack Overflow just reading the same same posts that I read every time, you know, to try and figure out what the answer is. <laughs> so you have like very strong emotions to radio buttons, I guess. Yeah.
0: As anyone does, as yeah. <laughs>
1: absolutely. <laughs> yeah, and one, one additional thing that we
2: definitely learned, and this helped us actually keep our APIs quite stable, is to use content projection in Angular for... For the smaller bits and pieces of your components so if you have the card i mean material does it the same way we were of course heavily inspired by what they are doing they're doing it for quite some time very very good actually so use for the title don't use a string input on it but use a directive that you can just put in your card because at some point one of your project managers is going to say I need the second letter or the number in the title being red or bold or whatever. And then if you used an input that can't handle HTML, then you basically have to change the API and break it. And if you provide it as in the library that people install it as a dependency in their project, it's, you should have your API as stable as possible for as long as possible. So that People don't have to upgrade.
1: And I guess another point that basically builds on on Fabian's point is like, we learned it the hard way that you should build like for the data structures you cannot control. So never assume a data structure for your input. Use uh, content projection, like let the consumer loop over the options of the select, for example, instead of just letting pass in an array as an input because if if you would do so, you will get like a hundred different black like structures or arrays or or objects in in, in in arrays that you cannot control and it I, I think it's also hard for the for the consumer then to to transform his data structure to the to the one that is required for the control to work and yeah this was yeah like our three main main API design, I guess Pain points, points we wanna yeah. we wanna point out.
2: Yeah. Have other people not made make the same
3: mistakes as we did. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it's you know I will definitely step back this time.
0: No, Maybe I was just good. gonna say, did you figure them out early on or was it like, oh, let's rewrite on a version two type situation?
2: <laughs> no, since Thomas has <laughs> I, had quite some experience with material, like guess. We yeah, but... uh, we checked out some other uh, other libraries out there, of course, and we learned some things the hard way, I guess, and others came more
1: natural. If you look at the fit to fit for example, we are currently in work for version 3. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, the feature set is the same, but we, l- we learned a lot, let's say it that way.
3: <laughs> is that going to break stuff moving up to version 3, or is it going to be a smooth integration for people? Be still figuring
2: out things on the
3: go again, yeah.
2: um, <laughs> especially for that component. I don't want to make any promises right now.
3: Yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> no, we could have got a scoop. Barista <laughs> yeah, guarantees yeah. no breaking changes,
2: <laughs> but not a but what, not issue. official, unofficial. <laughs> yeah, but what we're trying to do with each breaking change is automate as much as possible. So you might be familiar with ng upgrade, ng upgrade, ng update. I can't, I
3: never remember correctly. Whichever but... one isn't going yeah. from Angular JS to yeah. Angular.
2: <laughs> yeah, so if you do that, you can do the same thing with component library usually. So we try to automate as much as possible away from the, from the developers if they want to upgrade. And we stick to the release cycles of Angular quite closely. So whenever Angular releases a breaking change like with version 10, we usually wait a couple of weeks and the next breaking version is then around the corner for us as well. So, I think-
0: speaking of version three, <laughs> do you have any plans for the future we can talk about?
2: <laughs> yeah, so we we had a very close look at web components to help us help us solve a couple of future requirements. And we don't want to like limit us to the to the Angular world out there. I think React has has quite a cool community out there and people have built awesome stuff in the React community as well. So we are thinking about expanding the new components for the next version uh, of the design system also and provide them as web components for everyone to use and not only for Angular developers as Angular components. So that's definitely That would be
0: like, be like a huge, huge upgrade, right? Like to take everything into a web component?
2: Yeah, sure. Hmm. It's quite a big challenge as well. It's a big project. It's, we have checked out some some different libraries out there, some different ways of how to build web components efficiently. Angular Elements was one of them. Stencil.js is was the next one, but at the end we we are kind of decided now on Lit Elements. So if you haven't checked it out, it's actually a quite a cool layer on top of web components. So definitely encourage
3: you to check it out as well. So and that's lit Elements, me. yeah, yes, yeah. I feel like I've heard of that.
1: It's also She'll from Google, from the maybe you know the Polymer team, they developed yeah. it.
3: Yeah. Oh, and it's kind of to...
1: easy to integrate it into Angular
3: in your existing app. So they're just trying to sneak Polymer out there again. Let's just <laughs> yeah. give it a new name. <laughs> maybe people will use it this time.
2: Yeah. Yeah. But it's actually. It's not not as much work around the standard anymore as Polymer was in the past, I think I feel like. Standard has evolved quite quite a lot in the meantime. And yeah, it's a library and not the framework. And this is it's not as heavy as Angular might feel in certain situations. If you build a component library, you don't need a router, you don't need a service worker, you just need a small Part of angular the ecosystem is pretty awesome but if you only focus on building a component library a scaled down version of what you're trying to do might might be a better fit why
3: why use a library or a framework for your web components at all just out of interest and i'm i'm web components is something that is is has been like at the top of my my radar for a long time and i have just not sort of taken that step to get to properly get into it so if i and I realize we're going off topic a little bit, but if I, so, if I was like to look into that, why why would I look at a library or a framework rather than just starting to build some vanilla web I, components?
1: I guess the big point there is data binding or binding itself. Like the web components itself do not have something like binding in place, so you have to update and re render by your own, and that helps sounds, basically.
2: Sounds but, ghastly. Yeah. <laughs> Developer ergonomics is, for me, the killer feature. So it if you take a look at, on how you have to write your template for your web component, you, how you have to hook up into lifecycle methods, this whole boilerplate of actually fitting into the standard is just taken away out of your hands. The library is taking care of it. You have to write one render function. That's it. That's basically the minimum that you have to do. And having this ergonomics in place for you to actually write efficient web component code, having efficient render updates, stuff like this was for us, I guess, the killer killer feature.
0: So let elements handles all of that.
3: Yeah. Yeah. um, That sounds sounds good. Right. So. Yeah, oh, I, was, I was kind of, I'm, I'm tempted to, I could go down a whole rabbit hole in this. I'll, I'll try and restrain myself. <laughs> I'll, I'll retract that question before I ask it. We can have a follow-up <laughs> if you like. I like to talk yeah, about, about that stuff.
0: <laughs> components. Yeah, because yeah. I i didn't even know that let Elements was a thing. And now I'm like, I actually might try to use. Dang it, Chris.
2: <laughs> and it's, it's so neat if you think about, you can import it as an ECMAScript module in your browser and not have a build even running. It just works because it's it's using everything the platform gives you. You don't have to have a Webpack build. You don't have to have a Rollup build in place.
0: Wow. You can
2: throw in an import statement in a script tag and it loads your web component and you can use it.
3: You're not and paid to say that, so. <laughs> I'm not, and... but I'm excited about the technology. Here's a bold claim as well. Lit Elements <laughs> is is supported supports Internet Explorer of all browsers. Why is that still a thing? Where are you seeing Honestly? that? It's on is if you just go like to this. the well, if you to be honest, it's easier to just Google Lit Elements because they did not pick the, the best URL, best domain. But um, <laughs> if you go to the Lit Elements website and you scroll down to the bottom, browser compatibility, Lit Elements works in all major browsers. Chrome, Firefox, IE, Edge, Safari, and Opera. I mean, I would argue that IE is not a major browser anymore. Yeah. yeah. Well, okay. Well, okay. So you, would,
0: you would argue this, but would you believe I told you that my next big series at work is talking about how people can migrate from Silverlight to Angular?
3: <laughs> Goodness me. Wow. Wow. Silverlight wow. me? It's, it's, well, speechless. because it's
0: end of life next year.
3: Is it? And so, really?
0: big companies that are on these massive silver light applications are trying to figure out what to do now. So, I interesting
3: just
0: putting that. With the IE talk. We're just like floating that one out into the room seeing.
1: Yeah. We, we started with Angular and the talk and now we are discussing civil I
0: know. I know. My first question was, do you when you say migration, do you mean rewrite? Is that what you mean? So yeah. we'll, we'll see. We'll see. But oh my goodness. So I'm loving, loving Lit element. It's looking like it might actually get me into like writing web components because it was, it did seem like a, a lot to handle by yourself without so that's awesome i know yeah. like
3: I, I, I i kind of feel like i want to have a go although i i feel like i should try like angular what's it angular elements yeah. Is that, is that yeah. Angular yeah, yeah. just yeah. because because i like the idea i like the idea that i can make a web component that uses like my reactive forms for example like by doing that yeah. but at the same time this looks really nice as well so
1: we we also checked out angular elements because like it Apparently, it was our first idea. Yeah. Um, It's very close, but I guess it would have worked fine. But there was one thing we found out, like not all features Angular supports work in web components. And it would be really hard for developers to... So they are still in the Angular universe with Angular elements, but... Do not know out of the box which features they can use and which they don't. Right. So, uh, for example, CDK overlays would be hard to do, and we found multiple things that that do not work in, in in Angular Elements.
3: And also, you have to take some some quantity of the Angular compiler with you, right, in your web component. So you are going to be making heavy Heavy web component, You know, Angular has worked really, or the Angular team have worked really hard to to get rid of the Angular is really heavy duty framework that it was when it first came out, right? It's not anymore. Yeah. But a, a lot of people still hold that opinion because they haven't bothered to mm. keep up to date on it. So if, at the same time, if you're building your web components with Angular elements, you're basically going to be building heavy, heavy web components, aren't you? Because you're having to ship some part of Angular with it.
0: Is it? Yeah. I didn't know that's how it worked.
3: I think so, because it basically still got to fire up Angular to make the component work. I think. I haven't looked into it enough.
2: Yeah. It tree shakes everything away. It can tree shake away that you're not using from the framework, similar to what Webpack does or the CLI build does up front. But still, you need, you basically have to include some parts of Angular in each and every web component that you ship. So you basically have to multiply this by every web component that you have. But as Thomas pointed out, it's, you are still writing angular code but you have to think about the subset that you're allowed to use and there is no tooling support to help you out to... so
0: for you it's easier to just go with something like lead element where it's it's completely yeah. different and so you're not even you're not even trying to use angular yes. things that might not exist
1: yeah, <laughs> yeah. think exactly. of 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 for example future ch- children the the directive or the, the the feature you can use in angular this won't work in, in web components. Mm. So how to to tell developers, okay, you can use these features, but you you shouldn't use like few children or, or other features in Angular. But they can still import it. So we might had to work around that a lot mm. to make that clear or I'm not sure how we would have solved
3: it. that's so, mad isn't it actually like why would why would they why would it be a thing? That you can do in Angular, if it you can't actually do all of Angular in it, it's madness. Yeah, but I think it's a, a technical reason because
0: right. I, I think I remember talking with some other devs about this. Isn't it because, like, how would that work outside of Angular? Like, wouldn't it be incredibly painful and kind yeah. of dependent or something?
2: Yeah, yeah. It's also a matter of you can you can basically build your, a big web component if you want. Mm-hmm. Not, not think about something that you compose out of different bits and pieces and wrap this into an Angular element and everything works out fine and Angular runs within this. But if you want to have like an API that you can compose out of different bits and pieces, this is where you need slots, slots uh, in, in in web components and Angular elements. They don't really work that well together, at least back then when we had a, had a closer look at it. So it really depends on your use case. I think you can build quite a big app and wrap it into into an Angular element and everything is good. But if you want to have a composable UI library for your design system, it might not be...
0: Yeah, I think honestly it just wasn't, like you were saying, it just wasn't there yet. And especially with Ivy and some of the other things they were focusing on, things just kind of got put on hold. So I don't know as far as like version 11 or 12, if we'll be seeing any updates with elements, but I do mm. know that it was kind of uh, stalling there for a bit and lacking in the feature set, so.
2: But still, it's a cool, cool approach Think that they are taking. So I'm excited to see what's to come.
1: Yeah, but there's actually one thing we're gonna miss and that's the CDK, because this is actually a great piece of software and helped us a lot, so.
0: Shout out to the CDK. But I- what what things do you guys use the most in the C D K? Overlays, or...
2: overlays <laughs> and Overlay. portals, <laughs> overlays and portals everywhere.
0: <laughs>
2: uh, yeah, I guess those two and the accessibility features like focus traps and stuff like this. They make it a lot easier to to handle those complex accessibility features as I was well. I say the nice accessibility
0: and... stuff is like one of my favorites for the C D K. Yeah, it's but... pretty
2: awesome.
1: Yeah, and if for sure the CDK, CDK folks here that we are looking forward for date picker support.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that... They, didn't they say something about that? Or actually... I hope so, yeah. I think it's got it the
2: range update in 10 yeah. or something. Which is okay. also nice to have in material, but <laughs> I'd rather have it in the CDK in and the style CDK. it myself. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> Let's see, we are almost to the top of the hour. So before we hit up picks, is there anything else you gentlemen would like to mention about Barista or Web Components or any anything else before we hit up picks?
2: Mm, I guess try it out. Give us feedback, reach out, open issues. Any any feedback is is highly welcome and yeah, happy to hear
0: any any input and any feedback. And sorry, Chris, did you have any more questions?
3: No. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for checking.
0: I was like, oh, no, I might have kind of cut him off. I better I better, I'll fix that. Oh, uh, well, we always let our guests go last. Um, so I'm going to say my pick for the day is just Code It Live, the Twitch channel. I'm on there all the time with my other advocates, specifically Wednesday afternoons doing UI work. So, yeah, come check it out. Hang out. Let's do some 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 fun coding live, you know how that always goes so <laughs> um, but yeah, Chris, what do you have for us today?
3: I kind of got a random bizarre pick. I was on Twitter last night as I am occasionally all the time I saw somebody tweeting I can't remember what they're tweeting about to be perfectly frank I, it, the the content didn't stick with me, but they were describing something I'm assuming that they were American describing something they were calling whipped cream and they had one of those cans and they were squirting cream out of it, right? Yes. Is that what is, is that what whipped cream is in yes. the states? Right, that's ma- that's madness. No, we call it squirty cream. That's squirty uh-uh, cream.
0: Uh, right? No, it's not. Wh- it
3: is. Uh-uh. It is. And wh- I'll have you, whipped cream. Right, is when you get cream and you get put it in a bowl and you beat it until it <laughs> goes thick <laughs> and stiff. And I just saw this tweet. It obviously incensed me. I was like, Why? How can you call that whipped cream? Yeah, that's squirty cream. cream.
0: Squirty
3: cream.
0: Is <laughs> squirty <quick>? cream. <laughs> okay, Thomas, right. Fabian, is it squirty cream or is it whipped cream for you? So
2: uh, the the whipped cream part that Chris described is called Schlage was in in Austria, by the way. So if yeah. you if you so, wanna check that out as well. <laughs>
1: yeah. And you know what it means translated like what? The, but the, the obus is like cream and schlag is like punch. So you punch the, the cream. Punch, with,
0: yeah. Punchy cream.
3: Yeah. yeah. Punchy cream. Punchy cream. We got cream. whipped,
0: we got squirty, and we got punchy cream. I love
3: yeah. it. So my pick is <laughs> squirty cream. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I love it, Chris. You know, the first time I was in London, I was talking to some coworkers and I was like, so tell me, like, favorite favorite dessert, go. And they were like, oh, Benafi banoffee pie and i was like none of that is a word so then they had to like google it and show me
3: (laughs) you don't have banoffee pie
0: never heard of it in my life so i love i love learning about things like whether it's you know what they're called or just i i love it so i feel like you might have with banoffee pie
3: squirty cream
0: (laughs) (laughs) oh okay so thomas and fabian do you gentlemen have some picks for us today
1: yeah, maybe I'm not sure if some of you guys is into uh, game engine and game coding, but I, there are some two great channels out there. The one is Sebastian League or Lake, not sure how is it called. The second one is the Journal. I'm watching them quite a lot recently because I never programmed for game engine or or, or had a look under the hood of of how games are developed. But yeah, they they provide do a great job and and.
0: Is this sure on like Is this on Twitch? What is this on?
1: It's on YouTube.
0: YouTube? Okay. Uh, I'll send you the links. Yeah, YouTube. I was like, "Get me some links cuz I I love gaming. I actually had carpal tunnel surgery so that I could get back to playing video games. And of course, I love programming, so those two combined. I've just always heard that it's like hella hard like that, like, here's web development and then here's game development, like way up there. So yeah, but... I, I would be curious to to see.
1: <laughs> first, <laughs> the, in the first screen when I saw C, C++ code, it was like...
0: I have to like, see if I can it. dig
3: it out. A <laughs> uh, friend of mine is like the engine lead at Paradox Interactive. You know, Paradox? Yeah. They make like... I can't remember what it's called. Now. They do they do quite a lot of the grand strategy games. They have this big one set. It's Dalaris, that's it still it seems like the engine lead on that but he did a talk at a conference last year i think it was and like specifically all about how they put together the the engines for these grand strategy games like they i'm i don't really play those kind of games myself but there it was, it was an interesting talk let's see if i can dig it out put it in the show notes
0: and this um, all away from from programming games
3: forever well, yeah absolutely right <laughs> just just give me like how well, I many I mean, pixels to the left can i move this button
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: let's do vector calculations.
0: Oh, yuck! I didn't even know. <laughs> no. CSS animations—that's where I hit my limit. And like SVG, yeah, where I'm... no way. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. So, any other picks, darling?
2: Yes, for sure. So, if if you are missing live sports events in the in current times, check out the Marvel League on YouTube. If you have not. So at first you might think it's quite silly to watch some marbles it? compete. It's it's like right now I think it's already sponsored from by by last week tonight from John Oliver. They also had a t- had a take on it during one of the recent shows. It's basically somebody created different teams of marbles. Like they have savage spears, they have the raspberry races, and some other silly names, and they compete in Marvel Olympics which are different <laughs> different courses, different tracks, and they compete against each other and it's so addictive. If you haven't checked it out, it might sound really, really silly, but it's actually quite fun.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Marble League. I love it. Yeah, I'm looking right now. I hadn't heard of this, so I'm gonna totally dive in after the podcast. Thank you for that pick.
1: <laughs> sure.
0: Cool.
1: Marvel League Awesome.
0: Yes, like plopping plopping these links in the show notes. Well, thank you, thank you both, Fabian and Thomas, for coming on and talking with us about barista and all of the wonderful things you've learned through this process and open source and everything. Thank you both. Thank you. And Thanks
1: for nice having up to us. All
0: right. Well, that Cheers. is a wrap.